morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Friday, March 3rd. For people who love quirky numbers, today's date could be written as 303. And that's exactly how many days are left in the year, 303. On this date in 1931, the Star-Spangled Banner officially became the national anthem. President Herbert Hoover signed a congressional resolution to make that happen. Also on this date in 1931, a song was recorded that would become the first jazz album to sell a million copies. Can you guess the artist? I'll have that answer coming up. But first, let's have a look at that Friday forecast and that weekend forecast over at the Live 5 First Alert Weather Center. Hey, good Friday morning to you. I'm meteorologist Joey Sovi. Today is a first alert weather day as we await a cold front that will come through tonight. Out ahead of it, warm and increasingly windy today. We're going to get some wind gusts 30 to 40 miles per hour. That could blow some stuff around today. A late evening shower thunderstorm is a possibility as well. Most of the day is going to be dry. It's just going to be really breezy out there with sunshine. High temperatures today up into the low 80s. Now, we will be mainly dry through the day this evening, especially as we head toward midnight. So late this evening, there will be a line of some rain that blows through the area behind that. We clear things out all sunshine for the weekend, 78 Saturday, 72 on Sunday, cooler Sunday morning around 50. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast powered by the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Now let's get to your morning headlines. This morning, Alec Murdoch is waking up a guilty man. At 6.41 last night, after less than three hours of deliberation, the jury came to the unanimous decision that the former attorney killed his wife Maggie and son Paul on June 7, 2021. Nick Reagan is live now from Colleton County. And Nick, we have been covering this trial for more than a month, but justice came pretty quickly once it got into the hands of the jury. But we're not quite done just yet. Yeah, Katie Aisha, the uh, case is finished, but Murdoch, he will be back in the courtroom this morning at about 9.30, this time for sentencing. Now, Murdoch, of course, last night was found guilty on two counts of murder and another two counts of other weapon charges. Each of those murder charges carries a minimum of 30 years behind bars and a maximum of life in prison. Those additional uh, weapon charges each carry a maximum of five years in addition. Now, the jury's job is done. It's now on the judge and the judge alone to determine an appropriate punishment. For the 54-year-old, even a minimum sentence is effectively a life sentence. We don't know exactly what Judge Clifton Newman will decide, but his closing statement to the jury after the verdict may give us a little bit of insight. The verdict that you've reached is supported by the evidence, uh, um, circumstantial evidence, direct evidence, all of the evidence pointed to only one conclusion. That's the conclusion that you all reached. Now, uh, Newman, as Newman was dismissing the jury, he thanked them profusely and praised their attention to detail and their commitment to the job. The day, though, it did start off on a bit of an awkward note with Judge Clifton Newman excusing one of the uh, members of the jury for allegedly discussing the case outside of the courtroom. The defense sort of objected to that, so that could potentially be the basis for an appeal moving forward. Katie, Aisha. Nick, question. Uh, afterward, we didn't hear from the defense, but we did hear from the prosecution. 
Yeah, exactly. We didn't hear from the defense, but we do expect we will hear from them today after sentencing. But of course, yesterday was all about the state taking that victory lap. Attorney General Alan Wilson thanking his team, his staff, and lead prosecutor Creighton Waters. He appeared to almost have a a weight lifted off of his shoulders has been six weeks of intense trial. He said that it was a good day for justice in South Carolina. Justice was done today. It doesn't matter who your family is. It doesn't matter how much money you have or people think you have. It doesn't matter what you think, how prominent you are. If you do wrong, if you break the law, if you murder, then justice will be done in South Carolina. Now, Murdoch was taken out of court yesterday in handcuffs. We expect when he comes back, he'll look a whole lot different, wearing an orange jumpsuit and shackled. Of course, all of that will happen today at about 930. Guys, back to you. All right. Thanks so much, Nick. Now, following the guilty verdict of what some call one of the largest trials in South Carolina's history. Dozens upon dozens of people who traveled near and far have been following the trial since the very beginning. They shared their thoughts. Our Emily Johnson has their reactions. As Alec Murdoch was escorted out of the courtroom, a crowd gathered to ask how he felt about the guilty verdict. I'm really proud of the jury. Um, because they they saw the case the way I saw it, and um, I'm, I'm just really proud of my state. I'm really proud that um, justice was served. The prosecution team shared how they were thankful that Murdoch was found guilty and that the six-week long trial had finally come to an end, but Justin Bamberg, who is an attorney that represents victims in Murdoch's financial crimes, and says justice is far from over for all of his financial victims, right, those people who had to bury their loved one while he stole their money, or the ones who uh, were suffering from extreme pain, that they could have used their money to help themselves and he took it, they still need their complete justice, right? Bystanders shared hugs, took photos, and called loved ones to share their experience witnessing the trial that has gained national attention to the city of Walterboro. It's actually a relief. I mean, everybody has been so great being here, and it's been really nice to see see people, but it, it's time for us to go back to being a, a small town. Some spectators have even watched the trial since the beginning. These prosecutors, they stood up for justice, and I really appreciate that. And God sent the strength to them to do that. In Walterboro, Emily Johnson, Live 5 News. The Charleston District is receiving almost $100 million in supplemental funding from the Disaster Relief Supplemental Appropriations Act to repair damage to several beach projects after recent coastal storm events. The projects will be 100% federally funded. The city of Folly Beach has received $27 million of that money for emergency sand replacement due to impacts from Hurricane Ian. Around 900,000 yards of sand will be replaced, and the plan is to use sand from the Folly River. City officials believe the project will be an exciting one for local beachgoers, but they aren't the only ones who will benefit. Public safety on the beach has been a bit of a challenge since the September storm hit. The biggest impact that we've had is just the inability for our beach patrol and our rescue squads to reach all aspects of the beach. 
Um, so this emergency renourishment is going to be huge as far as allowing both our beach patrol folks and our emergency responders to get to all aspects of the beach for rescues. A timeline for the project has not been released. Well, the Charleston Police Department continues to investigate a shooting that happened on Carriage Lane last night in West Ashley at the Jaunt apartment complex off of Ashley River Road near Home Team Barbecue. And Harris was at the scene and talked with some neighbors about what they saw. I spoke with one woman who says she actually witnessed someone get shot. She did not want to go on camera, but people that she lives with were walking out of her apartment crying. Other neighbors I spoke with say this kind of incident is unusual for the complex. One woman says she's lived here a couple of years, and under the new management, crime has significantly decreased, and it remains pretty quiet. The call came in to Charleston Police Department at just after 7.30 last night. According to their public information officer, Elizabeth Wolfson, officers, detectives, and crime scene investigators were still on the scene until around 10 o'clock. Anyone with information is asked to call CPD at 843-743-7200 and ask for their on-duty central detective, or you can call Low Country Crime Stoppers. In the newsroom, Anna Harris, Live 5 News. The Charleston County Finance Committee has approved $1.8 million for a newly proposed St. Andrews fire station on Ashley River Road. Now, Charleston County EMS District 3 covers the city of Charleston and the St. Andrews Public Services District, covering 62 square miles and has the most EMS 911 incidents out of all 14 EMS districts country, uh, countywide. Now, the district currently has no physical county EMS station. With the new space, St. Andrews Public Services services could add bunk rooms, office space, and more. Their agreement with Charleston County EMS is set for 25 years with an option to renew for an additional 25. This money still has to go in front of county council before it's officially approved. Demand at local food banks is surging again after SNAP benefits ran out at the beginning of this year. Andrew Rowan is live in West Ashley with how local organizations are responding to the call. Andrew? We aren't feeling the health impacts of the pandemic as intensely, but the economic impacts still linger. At Low Country Food Bank, Chief Development Officer Brenda Shaw says demand has been a roller coaster. In 2019, they served about 100 people every month, but at the height of the pandemic, it was over 1,000. At the end of last year, it went down to about 400 people, but today they're averaging 600 people per month. Now, that recent surge is because extra benefits under the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, those ended. It happened earlier this week in 32 states, but here in South Carolina, those pandemic-era supplements ended over a month ago, and since then, the need at food banks has heightened. And people don't pay for their food until after they've paid for housing, you know, their electric bill, those types of things. I mean, it truly is um, kind of a domino effect um, when you look at inflation, how it's affecting our neighbors in need, but also how it affects our donors. We all know food banks co food costs more these days, and that impacts food banks too. Transportation costs are also going up. That means donations aren't going as far as they once did. But despite this perfect storm, the Lowcountry Food Bank says they'll be here for the long haul. We would love to be able to put ourselves out of a job, but we also want people to know that we are going to be here. We are a strong organization, and we are here to serve the people of coastal South Carolina. 
On Sunday, the Low Country Food Bank raised $550,000 to help end childhood hunger here in the area. They say their goal is to reduce food insecurity in coastal South Carolina by 25% in the next five years. At the Low Country Food Bank, Andrew Rowan, Live 5 News. Well, the city of Charleston is no stranger to hazards and disasters like hurricanes and flooding. That's why the city is introducing a new plan of its own, a hazard mitigation plan, to be well prepared if any sort of disaster comes our way in the future. The city wants people who live in Charleston to share their thoughts in a survey on how officials can design their safety plan in the best way possible. Samantha Popovic, she joins us live from downtown Charleston. Now, Samantha, what can you tell us about this particular plan? Good morning. Good morning. The city of Charleston is working on creating its own hazard mitigation plan, and this is the first year the city is planning for themselves. And they say they are looking to make the plan more localized. The city says the hazard mitigation plan focuses on both natural and man-made disasters. City officials say this plan is meant to be all hazards compatible, looking at every potential event that could happen in Charleston, whether that be natural, man-made, and technical. City of Charleston Director of Emergency Management Benjamin Alquist says this plan helps build out their strategy and how the city limits the impacts, ensuring they identify the resources the city needs to address those impacts. Almquist says this could mean additional personnel, improving building codes, installing of security cameras in key areas, and working with local partners on improving local awareness of potential hazards. He says this plan helps identify specific needs based on specific past incidents to improve their resilience. He says FEMA guidelines require them to have stakeholder input, which means including the general public in their development plan. He says by the community answering the survey, it gives the city an insight on what type of disasters they are concerned about. But these questions in the survey are designed to get feedback from the local populace on what they are most concerned about when it comes to um, potential disasters that can impact them. Um, So we want to make sure that we've got that information so that we understand what the public perception is, because we don't want to get lost in the weeds of our technical understanding overriding what the local concerns are. The city of Charleston says they are looking to have approval of their hazard mitigation plan by late summer or early fall. For more information on the survey, head to our website, live5news.com, and click on this article. Reporting live in downtown Charleston, Samantha Popovics, Live 5 News. Two men are behind bars for drug, gun, and traffic charges after a high-speed chase in Orangeburg County. Deputies say 19-year-old Devon Johnson and 24-year-old Eric Johnson are facing several charges, including possession with intent to distribute a Schedule 5 narcotic. Deputies say around 10.30 Tuesday night, they tried to stop a car with the wrong license plate. That resulted in a chase with speeds over 100 miles per hour. Officials say the 20-mile chase ended with the driver and the passenger getting out and running. Deputies tell us they were able to catch them using a canine. After searching the car, deputies say they found two guns and a variety of illegal drugs inside, including promethazine, crack cocaine, and marijuana. 
North Charleston police say a man is facing charges after a crash left two people dead. Officers say 22-year-old Darius Frazier is facing two counts of reckless homicide after that crash. Police say the two-vehicle crash happened just before noon yesterday on Dorchester Road at I-26. Frazier is being held at the Charleston County Jail. The North Charleston Police Department and the Charleston County Coroner's Office are all investigating. Former Vice President Mike Pence made a visit to the Low Country to speak with multiple law enforcement leaders in North Charleston. During his trip here yesterday, Pence said the nation is in the midst of one of the worst violent crime waves in the past 50 years, as the rate of officers leaving the force has increased by 20 percent nationwide. The former vice president says people should stand behind law enforcement now more than ever. At the top of the show, I told you that a recording made on this date in 1931 would become the first jazz album to sell a million copies. That record was set by Cab Calloway with Minnie the Moocher. Celebrating birthdays this Friday, rapper and actor Tone Locke is 57. Actor David Faustino, who played Bud on Married with Children, is 49. Gospel singer Jason Crabb is 46. And actress Jessica Biel is 41. That'll wrap it up for another week. Thank you for joining us here at Live 5 for Morning, y'all. We hope you have a great weekend. I'm Katie Kamen. I'll talk to you Monday. Thanks for listening to Morning, y'all. Produced every weekday morning. You can listen and subscribe at live5news.com slash podcast. And download the Live 5 News app for your mobile device. Get the latest news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.